right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the JT Show. I'm honored to have my guest, Mr. Mike LaFromboise, joining us from Big Sky Country, huh? Yeah. All the way from Montana. What's going on, bro? What's going on, How you man? Been, man? Uh, springtime's coming up. Ceremonies are happening back home. So I could never I could never powwow during this time because ceremonies are always at this time. So powers were a no go. I could never go to like Hinkley or stuff like that. But once ceremonies are done, I'm right. free to hit the road. And we got one coming up, so our renewal, our renewal times is coming up. But springtime, man, I'm working for um, administration for Native Americans, and we're doing our panel review uh, for them, um, mm-hmm. getting the tribes. The money they need to help themselves help themselves and uh, what else is going on summertime just grateful to be alive grateful to be enjoying this beautiful weather whether if I'm in Montana or Wyoming or Oregon or wherever just grateful did you guys get hit pretty uh, pretty hard this year out there snow wise weather wise yeah, yeah. In this area, I mean, it's flooding right now because it's warming up and a lot of runoff is happening. So that's going to be from now oh, until yeah, maybe yeah, the right. end of May, the runoff, and then will kind of subside and and people will start to get into the water. I'm currently in Polson, Montana, and right this way mm-hmm. is the lake, so the big Flathead Lake. It's not it's not in great Great Lake proportion, mm-hmm. but I think it's the biggest freshwater uh, lake this side of the Mississippi. Little fun fact for the oh, really? JT show. Oh man, I didn't even know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're just, I'm, you know, over here in Great Lakes country, we just got all the lakes and the water is abundant. So it's like I take all of that for <laughs> granted, you know. You know. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys are. Um, when, when I was out in Oneida and uh, Kashina. Uh, you guys, I remember you guys talking about sturgeon fish. You guys still catch those and eat those? Mm-hmm. Damn, those are some huge mm-hmm. fish. Yeah, from, a, you know, kind of uh, a lot of the dams and, and, you know, they used to come up the rivers and, uh, you know, all the dams and everything kind of prevented that. So it's kind of like uh has to be through like the Department of Natural Resources and there's like a special... Yeah. Um, release that they have twice a year but um yeah they'll do like ceremonial feeds from that and stuff with with the surgeon it's like you know like a dinosaur fish it's like super old but um, that's real yeah that's like one of our dinosaur fish they're they Mm -hmm. still exist right Mm -hmm. and uh i remember this conversation that these elders had blackfoot elders and i'm very fortunate to understand the language and stuff like that so i i was listening to them talk and they were talking about dinosaurs being gone and they said well this fish Mm -hmm. these fish they're prehistoric how come they still how come they still are around and one elder said maybe they didn't do their renewing ceremonies (laughs) so they maybe we should ask the fish how come you've been here so long you know that's that's their conceptual thinking yeah but yeah. really a, a cool yeah. cool way to think is 
why did they disappear and that they didn't, you know? They must have continued their ceremony. Right. You ever eat? What's the best fish? And you think there? back on like um Oh like I, I my personal favorite I would have to say is walleye. You know, that's like my personal favorite, but yeah. um panfish and <clears throat> bass and stuff like that. You know, a lot of people like um trout, brookies and stuff like that around here and some some people I I'm not a big fan of like northern northern pike oh, and, and muskies. I don't know, yeah. I just it's kinda that's a real gamey kind of fish, you yeah. know, but um I think I think walleye is probably my favorite. One of the first of fish. fish I caught was a pike. Man, it was huge. Mm-hmm. So surprised, like holy cow! Their predators though were up in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they were to throw you some fish, they're like, "Hey, cook this up for us." How would you cook it? Would you throw spices on it, I mean, or you know, you gotta either pan fry it or throw some um some uh a little bit of breadcrumbs on there or some some uh some batter you know and and deep fry it that's always good too you know a couple different ways i mean it's it's good i don't i don't care any way you cook it as long as it's cooked good with some butter get those you know, I'm, uh i'm, I'm a big fan of fish and, man you know hot cheetos and grind them up yeah yeah Shoot, man. Kids these days, they'll put hot Cheetos on anything in it. <laughs> I could never get <laughs> into it good. What's the What's up with these? Yeah. Whatever I mean, those when we were kids, are, it was they like sugar sandwiches. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it was like that kind of stuff. Now it's hot Cheetos. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. So how about yeah. you? What's Speaking going of kids, on? Um, how's your little ones doing, man? How's your young ones doing? So I got three. My oldest, he's uh, he graduated from uh, University of Toronto in Indian mental health, something like wow. that. But he's back in back nice. home doing his doing his thing. My middle daughter, she's a all state basketballer. She's now playing basketball for Montana State in Haver mm-hmm. <clears throat> on a scholarship. And then my youngest. Mm-hmm. I just bought my youngest a car and I brought it up to her and she's uh gonna be graduating high school next year, possibly. Uh, just depending on how, how she mm-hmm. does in class. So they're doing pretty good. They're all their own little personalities. They're they're not the same peoples, but they all got a little bit of me in them, so I know they can play ball. They all powwow. <laughs> <laughs> the oldest and the youngest they yeah. like to sing so there's that but I, I work with them so let me let me ask you a question sure. um, um like grow, growing up you know around powwows and stuff I mean each of us kind of had their own you know exposure to uh, to powwows you know to ceremonies and stuff and you know, I kind of seen like a mix of, you know, get your kids started young in their in their traditions and their culture. And part of which, you know, includes includes powwows and stuff. You know, I'm not going to go out there and say that, you know, powwows are, you know, the end all do all of our culture because they're not. I mean, yeah. it's kind of more of that tip of the iceberg type of thing, you know, like real visible. 
But yeah. how did you know? How did you go about you know introducing your kids to Apollos? Is it something that they picked up on their own, or was it just like you know, dad's a dad's a famous powwow singer, so we got to follow in his footsteps? How did that? Yeah, go? So that was kind of ironic. My my daughter, she just was interested in singing and and uh, at her school, and they're like, oh, wh- why did you? How did you want to? Why did you want to sing? Oh well, my dad he used to say, he sings and oh really? Who's your dad? Uh, Mike Lafromboise. Your dad's Mike Lafromboise? So she already got a, that was in the paper just the other day. She sent that to me and uh, I was like, dang. <laughs> but they, all of my kids kind of just got into it because I was into it and took them around, took my, my middle daughter around to Palo. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, her mom was really competitive. Mm-hmm. So if there was a princess type thing, we had to go all out and make sure she got it raise funds and <clears throat> that's just her so now she's mm-hmm. still competitive that mm-hmm. way uh in everything she does so they all do their little own powwow thing my daughter my middle daughter she dances but now she plays ball my oldest he used to dance but now he's mm-hmm. getting older and then my youngest she wants to dance but she's more into singing so any way mm-hmm. i can help them out I've been uh, working with them. I'll send like words of the day to them in Blackfoot, Blackfoot words of the day. More so like conversational uh-huh. type words rather than just, you know, objects and colors and numbers. Right. right. Although those are important, that's right. not really going to help the process mm-hmm. to get them to conversate. So I, when I was at the college, Blackfeet Community College, I was developing this calendar and there was a word of the day for every day. And I tried to structure it so that every week there was a sentence structure that they could talk. So I thought, well, there's, you'll learn maybe 300 plus words. Plus you'll have 52 sentences you can mm-hmm. construct for each season. You know, sometimes there's different happenings in the season, like basketball in one, hunting in another, mm-hmm. ceremonial stuff in another. So just different aspects of the of the seasons, I try to incorporate those concepts. So that's what I'm doing with my kids, is just sending them words of the day. And they like it. So other people are like, hey, throw me in the mix. So I got like about maybe eight people I'll send words of the day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, download the apps I made. I made about four apps that are out there. Back in the day, mm-hmm. those were like the rage, right? The apps. Right, yeah. As soon as yeah, I, I mean, one, uh, I'm like, man, I, I'm I mean, it's it. like the technology is there. Let's use it. You know. Right, right. But albeit not everybody's yeah. technology savvy, so it was a good idea. They're still there, but I guess like still them the old bike, school folks. Yeah. You don't practice. <laughs> you don't get good. Yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been, um, you know, I mean, obviously all your life, you know, like a student of of the culture and and the language and everything, but um, how long have you been like, you know, educational wise, um, you know, been studying the language? Because I know you you were, um, you know, studying pretty, pretty hardcore there, you know, with, which is, which is great because we need more people, 
you know, in our in our tribes, you know, continuing our education and continuing our, especially our language and our culture. But yeah, talk a little bit more about that. You know that that, that progress. Yeah, so I was like I said, I was fortunate to grow up with my grandparents speaking Blackfoot in the house in the home, and as the oldest kid, mm-hmm. uh, I got to live with them. And I just told my grandpa long about maybe thirty years ago. I said, hey. Just speak Blackfoot to me. He says, okay. You know, so he would he would help me and he would talk. Mm-hmm. But when he passed, the only person in our family left was my aunt. And I, I don't have much contact with her. But when I do, we dialogue in Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, any chance I get to speak with somebody, I'll do it, you know. And I just told myself mm-hmm. there was there was a... In our community, there's like a line, and up to that line, it's shame. And because, and there's a whole, maybe a whole mm-hmm. other podcast, but our communities are, are are steeped in that. And we don't want to see other people, you know, because we just lack the knowledge. But I just told myself, I'm just going to speak it. And they're either going to correct me mm-hmm. or answer me or make fun. Either way, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. So that was the kind of the mindset I took. And once I just said that, people just start speaking. And I start learning. And it's just, it's going to be lifelong learning. And there's, there's no end. I know fluent speakers that mm-hmm. I'm like, I need help with my language. I'm like, man, you're pretty dang good right. as it is. But Right. So I was yeah. looking kind of in the pat or in the back of who's coming up next who can learn these I was really I had a a feeling of uncertainty because in 100 years all of us in our communities are going to be ancestors and what are they going to say uh, mm-hmm. well I guess they tried to do the language but didn't really f- stick or they could say man those guys put forth a really good effort and they hustled and they mm-hmm. made it happen. And as a result, we're speaking our language today. And that's what a lot of those elders would say is, that's what defines you, is the language. The language is what defines who you right. are. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Totally. So many tangents for that to go off of. To, And when I do lectures, uh, when I'm teaching... The same concept could go a hundred different ways every time, all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. It's fun to talk about. Oh yeah, man. I, I, I mean, I, I asked that question, but it's like, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways that we could go with that. But it's right. like, I think the, the the important thing is is that you're continuing it. You know, you're you're constantly constantly learning. You know, that like you're sending your friends and your family and your loved ones you know, words of the day and stuff like that. Right. That's awesome, man, because, you know, I think that's the the commitment that it takes. Yeah, so anyway, we were talking about the the, the language and stuff, you know, I mean, it, it's, um, I think it's it's the importance of um, continuing to learn, you know, being students of, students of the game, so to speak, right. you know, I mean, that's like important, and I think that um, uh, having that, sharing of knowledge and, and you know even sharing of our um multiculturalism you know and that's happened from tribe to tribe and and uh yeah. you know from place to place you know I, I think one thing i was um 
getting at, you know, what's asking about our, our kids and, and our, our young ones is for me growing up, I think going to powwows and going from, from home in Wisconsin and going to Minnesota and North Dakota and South Dakota and Montana and Idaho and places like that as a, as a young man, you know, still in high school and stuff like that, that was a way for me to escape and get away from, you know, life on the reservation sometimes, which, you know, wasn't, wasn't always the best, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. lots of partying and that's a kind of, that kind of stuff, you know, and like nothing ever changed. Yeah. And I think that, I'm I'm just wondering like what your perspective is, you know, what 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 were powwows for you growing up? I mean, you know, being a being a good singer, being, you know, very talented singer and and going around, I mean, was that what was that what was that pressure like to, you know, I mean, not only to use powwows for fun or for for whatever, but also that pressure to perform, you know, on a week to week basis, you know. Talk so, about that a little bit. Am I am I synced up with my mic? Am I doing all right with sound? Oh, you're good. Am I on? Okay. Yep. So powwows for me, I started like when I was about three or four. I I remember, and uh, there was just always powwow music in the background, and that's just what I picked up, and uh, it just kind of came natural. And uh, I started to just, my parents just brought me there. And then about maybe 12 or 13, I started going on my own with other people. And uh, my parents kind of was working and whatnot, but they allowed me to go uh, to powwows pretty pretty much every weekend. So it was pretty, um, it wasn't much pressure because it was fun. There was no pressure of of a singing contest. Or, hey, how much are we getting paid? Because we didn't have that conceptual worldview of you're going to pay us type thing. It was just more fun. And that was kind of like in the late 70s, <laughs> early 80s. And when the 90s picked up, that's when the singing contests started to kind of pick up. And they weren't that much. They were like 2000 2500 for first or 1000 The money wasn't really a big thing. And it's just starting to kind of be that now. Money is starting to be a big factor as to, hey, should we go to that power or that power? Right. That's a whole nother lecture. But right. there was no really much, there was no pressure right. uh, to perform because it just happened. And then people started to notice uh, that I could sing and they just started asking me. Uh, early on when I was about maybe 13, I sang with Eagle Whistles as a kid. And they invited me over to sing. Or uh, who else? Eagle Spirit from Washington. Just different ones. Uh, White Eagle. So I start traveling with Black Lodge and all these groups early on. And then, you know, you kind of, are you going to sing Contempt? Or are you going to sing Original? And I, I had the opportunity to sing with right. like the boys and uh, Blackstone. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go. You know, real nonchalant, like. And then when it started to get competitive, they started to rely on you to be there. To be like, mm. you're going to come? Mm-hmm. And they would make sure that you get there. And if you won, it was evenly split up. But that's a whole other lecture, too, about money pay and who you're singing with and how right. much you get paid. 
was never really an issue because if I went to a powwow, I made sure that I had my money there and yeah. back in a place to stay. Yeah. So I wasn't really stressed about it. Like some folks are, man, if we don't make this powwow, we ain't, we ain't gonna make mm. food or mm. rent or I don't know if that's the case, but it seems like that sometimes. So it was pressure wasn't really there. Oh yeah, only when it started to get into big money, right? Then the pressure was seem like you're broke. You had to perform. You had to have your A game every time, all the time, and you mm -hmm. had to learn songs. Like with Mandarin, they never showed you a song. You either get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, what the hell are you sitting there for? You know, type thing. So that mm -hmm. aspect. But I was really fortunate to to uh, sit down with a lot mm -hmm. of those really good old singers like uh, Charlie Gopher, uh, Russell Standing Rock, uh, Merle Tendoy, Bill Runs Above, um, Bill Baker, mm -hmm. Tiny Ballinger, uh, Johnny Smith maybe a couple of times, but I didn't really sing sing with him. Um, mm -hmm. There's just a lot of those old singers, Clyde Haverunner. And then that was kind of more original style. And I sang with some contempt groups, but uh, didn't really adhere. I just kind of went right. towards old style. Maybe it was just because Bill and the Noon Boys would always call me up. Probably why I stuck with it. I don't know. Right. But it's fun. People would always say, uh, a what? Kind of took you under their wing, kind of, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Like, For sure, they did. mentors and And, and there were some things that you just picked who up took you as, under you, their wing, as, you, you know? as you look, but sometimes they the ropes. have direct teaching to say, this is how you would do this. And then mm -hmm. they would rely on me more to, to carry them. And uh, so that was kind of pressure there too, because <laughs> they would say, don't start it too high now. I'm like, yeah, all right. But naturally I couldn't bring it down. I couldn't control it. It would just be mm -hmm. always really high. <laughs> and they'd always get mad at me for starting it way <laughs> off. So I'd be the only one singing sometimes, which was kind of funny. I'd have to laugh. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people who you know, have have followed uh, powwows over the years and stuff. I mean, you're you're obviously very well known, but um, very very distinct style. You know, to your to your to your voice and your vocal quality and the and the leads. And for anybody that's uh, you know who doesn't know, you know, it's kind of like you 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 definitely made your mark. Uh, you know, in 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 powwows and yeah. Um, you know, I think that's for you. That's something to be you know proud of. Um, quick question though, is like, you know, like you talk about late seventies, early eighties. Um, I think for everybody it's different because I've seen yeah. people like start off, not maybe the greatest. Yeah. And then they like develop later in life. Yeah. And then other people, like they just found their voice like yeah. right away, but then maybe kind of lost it later. You know I mean? Some people just kind of maintain the same yeah, right. all the way through like. 
you know, like like Ron Noon. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's the ageless one, you know. Royce Kingbird, man. Some of these guys right. are just sound the same year after year after year. I mean, those guys are, you know, getting up there in years and they still sound the same, you know, and still sound badass. But um for you for you personally, when did you kind of realize was it early on that you kind of realized like, hey, I might I might have something here. I kind of like you found your own and then like at what point did so you kind of my, realize like, my mindset hey, I can on kind that of hold my own and one with, of the things that I just kind of want to put a put a precursor on this is that I really don't like uh talking about myself <laughs> I mean yeah we do but I really try to be humble and when somebody gives me a compliment I really just try to be like hey thank you for that compliment <laughs> With the utmost humility, I accept that, you know, type thing. I'm not out there being like, you know what, I can sing with these guys or that guys. And it mm -hmm. maybe sound like you're bragging, but in the case like mm -hmm. here, we're just dialoguing and you're asking questions. So early on, maybe like about eight or nine, I, 10, I was listening to um, mm -hmm. the High Noon. And I remember going up to Hobima when I was about that age, and they were just young too. And they were starting out. So I started to kind of emulate those guys, Ron and Ted, especially first. Mm -hmm. And then Alden Weaselchild and then Bill Runs Above and Seymour. I would try to emulate those guys. And I would practice with tapes to sing along. And uh, I didn't really think I was anything until mm -hmm. one time they're like, nobody could lead. They said, this guy, point at him. <laughs> kind of surprised myself like oh yeah okay so it was kind of maybe about 12 13 i started to really figure out that i could understand how to sing <clears throat> um there's a lot of singers wow. really good singers that maintain from the beginning like sean yeah. sean scabirope he's one of my favorite old style type and he had it really young and he uh, kind of lost it, but he still has it. He's got that real mm -hmm. old style, tight voice. Um, Alden Weaselchild, he was started out young, and uh, but he was right, my right. the people that I put like, oh, I want to be like that guy, Alden. And later mm -hmm. on, I got to sing with all those guys. You know, got to hang out with them and travel and. They'd call me up and say, hey, you want to go mm -hmm. here? You want to go there? I'm like, yeah, sure. So singing this took me all around to mm -hmm. all around Canada, all around the United States. Um, really provided a lot of opportunities. Even right now with this with this podcast. I mean, you and I met <clears throat> on powwows, in powwows, around powwows. And here we are in our professional settings doing what we do and <clears throat> mm -hmm. But these types of things are, are very valid because they're identifications of who we are as individual peoples and individual tribal members. And like you said, we share similarities in a lot of the powwow protocols. And in my research, that's what I've concluded that how powwow was formed in the Sioux way, it's kind of how everybody emulated their powwows with. Mm -hmm. A whistle carrier, a belt carrier, a, a whip carrier, announcer, a drum, you know, all those of officers 
in those societies I've seen throughout many mm-hmm. tribes. So those similarities right there help me to really learn and right. understand, <clears throat> especially like with Sioux words. Early on, there was the fad of everybody was singing Sioux songs. And you pick it up, and you're like, hey, what does that word mean? And you piece it together, and mm-hmm. it was about war. Literally, it was about war. Mm-hmm. And bringing it back to my community, our mm-hmm. ceremonies are based on war as well. So some similarities, but differences, but same, but different, but same. So powwows really brought me to this place where I'm at now with what I have. I remember uh, in the same way you described, you know, being being a young guy and listening to tapes and recordings, you know, and I remember coming across this one one recording. It was, uh, I think it was yeah. from Crow Fair 99. You were singing with um, with uh, Bill and the boys, you know, Eagle Whistles. And um, I remember, I mean, I was just a, just a young cat then you know i didn't hardly know nobody or nothing but i remember hearing this recording and then you know you were uh i didn't know it at the time i didn't you know know who you were at the time but i just remember hearing like dang this one dude was like killing it you know on the leads and like you know kind of carrying the tune and i was i think the recording kind of started and you weren't on the first few songs and then like track four or five you were on there and then it just like bam it like the recording went from here to like the another level and i was like i was like who who the fuck is that you know like damn who, who's that dude you know like kick, like just real high you know and i was just like damn and then um that that chicken dance those chicken dances started and i was just like shoot man that's you know i'm gonna try and sing like that you know and it was like i think for a lot of younger people man it was like you know we 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 too would hear those recordings and, and stuff. And I just remember hearing that, like that's one that really stuck out, you know, in my mind and, and a lot of the other boys, um, you know, us, us younger singers and stuff at the time were like, Oh, that's LaFrom's man. That was, that was LaFrom's like Mike LaFrom boys, man. He's, he's dope, you know? And so like we all, we all looked up to you too, man. So, you know, kind of carrying on that, that mantle carrying on that torch of, you know, legendary status, you know, and stuff. But, um, got to give a, got to give a shout out to, uh, you know, one of our, um, walked on, uh, our famous, uh, recording artist, Tony Isaacs, man, um, from Indian house records. He passed away last year. Yeah. uh, That's who did that recording. And, you know, it's like, you know, time flies by, man, you know, and big shout out to, so and Tony he was and, really and meticulous his family in how he recorded. He put out he didn't a lot want, of good music for a lot of so years. So kind of juxtapose uh, uh, Canyon Records. I recorded with Canyon, whereas Tony would be like, nah, that doesn't sound good. And I'm like, well, how do you know what sounds good? But he all he had was a, just a dat, you know, digital audio tape. And we were talking earlier, you and I, about uh, overdubs. Yeah. But he was pretty cool at making something not good into something hey that sounds pretty okay but in in the background we knew man that didn't go like that you know speaking of that mm-hmm. of that 99 recording with Tony uh, Battle River 
He said, uh, you going to sing with us this weekend? I'm like, yeah, okay. I was like, oh, yeah. whatever. You know, didn't For care. Sure. And then Bill said, here, come over and sit down. Right. I said, I was going to go sing with those other guys. Nah, you just sit here. <laughs> so I was supposed to sing with Battle River that weekend. And uh, Bill said, no, we're making a recording. I'm like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell him no. So I told those other boys that. <laughs> I was always like that with them, with, with Battle River. Anyway, we won it, and they took second, so it all it all went good. Really? But another thing, too, on those recordings, everything previous uh, to that, I wish they got a recording of, because I thought I yeah. I thought I yeah. was a better take, you know? Um, sang with uh, yeah. Mandri a lot of times before that. And, uh, we also sang with Badlands, and we got some recordings on that. And like, damn, what should we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one, man. That was a good one. I noticed kind of, you know, and I've yeah. talked to talk to people you know, as like more recently, and I don't, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run this, run this past you, man. But I kind of noticed, like, remember back in the '70s, like um, Badlands and Porcupine, yeah. Red Earth, and, and all the drums back then, man, sing on bass drums, sing real high, you know, kind of. <clears throat> everybody kind of had a, you know, a similar yeah. style, I guess, you know, like a similar style that was predominant in in the 70s you know and then the 80s came and words and it's like drum groups really really went out of their way to to be different to sound different to sound unique and like you had all these drum groups from the 80s and 90s (laughs) and of red bull and blackstone and northern cree and mandaree and stony park and the cinnaboy juniors and sue cinnaboy and on and on yeah yeah yeah. And everybody just, you know, sounded yeah. more and more and more different. And nowadays today <coughs> I, I kinda <laughs> see it like it's almost coming back. Right. Like maybe it's like that slingshot effect or something. So like with that, you know everybody went out of their way to sound different and now in it's my like, worldview, this today is just my could, opinion like, on that. Because I got a chance to, another, to see it to another, you know, and like I, look I travel at YouTube sometimes and like if I don't Mainly see the Montana, name, Idaho, sometimes I have a Wyoming, hard time distinguishing that area. And a lot of the same like, groups man, from there. Like they, it sounds so good. You know, I'm not saying I'm not knocking it. Them. It sounds bad. It just and the first just, I remember you know, a lot of groups to another group. Like early eighties, more sounding similar. Sue songs used to be very similar to the way everywhere. Kind of sounded back in the seventies. You know, I don't know what's your what's what's your take on that, man? Is there any thoughts on that? Is other groups started to sing them? Um, remember Myron Red Day and, and um, mm-hmm. what was his group called? In uh, Red Nation, he kind of started that trend of of sewer. Before that, like Porcupine, Badlands, mm-hmm. uh, Crazy Horse, Black Hills, they all had that Lakota wording in there, and that was the rage. And I recall Black Lodge when they first started mm-hmm. back in eighty. 80- Three is when I first saw them. They were all just real young kids. And uh, they started to sing Stony Park songs. 
and I remember Stony Park and Chiniki Lake from the same reserve. They were singing their word songs, making them popular. Mm -hmm. And Stony Park and Chiniki Lake were the same, but different, but same. But you could tell the differences, but the same language. So Black Lodge started to sing their songs. And then mm -hmm. Black Lodge started to sing uh, Navajo songs with White Eagle. They were traveling. Then after White Eagle, Black Lodge started to sing mm -hmm. uh, Cree songs with Blackstone, Whitefish Juniors. Then they started to kick out Blackfoot word songs. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see the trend of, of how game changers like Black Lodge and then later on Ayabi mm -hmm. came into play singing their style. And they changed the game like Black Lodge did, like Stony Park did. And they were popular because maybe mm -hmm. they had mm -hmm. bigger, uh, what do you call those, PA systems that really, they turned it up loud and they made them sound good. Whereas you were just a crew, you know, jamming out, you didn't have that mm -hmm. energy. That's a whole nother lecture too, getting into the energy of, of a sound and why you would mm -hmm. go watch them because they, they're creating energy that you want to be around. It's a whole nother lecture, but going back to the, to the mm -hmm. topic of how mm -hmm. I seen that change is they were different and then they started to get really different. And like you said, now they're starting to be the same at Rocky boy. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, I remember Northern Cree and bear Creek mm -hmm. were hosts <clears throat> and their styles are the same and Ojibwe and Cree are the same kind of languages. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I can't even tell the difference if that's Northern mm -hmm. Cree singing the Bear Creek song or Bear Creek singing the Northern Cree song. Good singers. I'm not, like you said, I'm not knocking them. That was just my, my observation and how people are starting to emulate other, other singers, like either old style, mm -hmm. more so contemporary though, I would say in, in the aspects of, um, those groups I named. Blackstone mm -hmm. was was an innovator. They they started off mm -hmm. their style really slow. Red Bull was before Blackstone, and they were kind of upbeat, more up tempo, <laughs> right. more contemporary ish. Right. But also kind of more old style with the slower type uh, songs of of traditional or grass. These are really good. Uh, topics to talk about because we could go mm -hmm. for days and talk about our opinions and our observations and the facts of what we've seen and what you and I both see yep. 